John K. Jake, what's up, man? There he is. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. I feel like I'm in mid-season form, so. Really <laughs> well, that's, that, that's that makes one of us. So we're good. You what, what, what's holding you back? If 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 you were, uh, if you were a player, what what are your weaknesses? What are you still trying to improve here as 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 the season gets closer to the trade deadline? I I need to find that rhythm. I'm still not there yet. I'm just uh, I don't know what I'm doing uh, as far <laughs> as like you know. Writing so many game stories, right? You know, just kind of trying to figure out uh, the balance between making plays and and looking for my teammates. So yeah, we're, we're <laughs> we'll get there though. So, I mean, listen, as a writer at the Athletic, you do have teammates that you have to to balance out your attacks and your your uh, your big shots and all that stuff. That is a real thing you got to deal with. That's exactly right. A lot of egos on this squad, as you know. So I, I just gotta <laughs> keep everyone happy. <laughs> Um, let's, let's, uh, let's dive into the team that you cover. Um, Great. you were a really nice story about Anthony Edwards. Uh, I believe it was Wednesday, maybe Thursday. Yeah. All, all the days this week are blending together for me as they always do. Um, I talked with him after the Wolves win in Oklahoma city a couple weeks back in December, put a story out today, um, at Yahoo. So if you're listening and haven't read those two pieces, read John's first for sure and subscribe to Athletic and then give mine a check out as well. Um, I'm curious for you, John, because to me, I was a big, big fan of Ant back at Georgia. He was – no one cares about my drafting opinions, uh, but he was my top prospect of that year. I was kind of laughing with friends at the time who were – with the wolves um, about any other, you know, person not to be dismissive of other players, but he just seemed to be like the dude to take a shot on. If, if you were going to have to take one guy over the rest um, for both the athleticism and the skill, but also the, the personality and the confidence that I think it takes and that people have routinely told me it takes to kind of make it as that number one option on a, on a championship team here. So what has been your perspective on seeing the 18, 19-year-old that came in three years ago as maybe the second banana to Carl Anthony Towns as he's kind of been thrust by Towns' calf strain and other circumstances into this sorry, um, in, into this role of, of being the guy? Yeah, it's been, you know, uh, a fun evolution to watch i think like you know i i know that yourself and others uh pay so much attention getting ready for the draft and doing a lot of scouting and and background work on a lot of these prospects and i'll be honest like that is one of the things that i i I, I'm a little bit lacking on in in my you know kind of my knowledge about the game. I'm I'm very much more fixated on the NBA game and just what's going on with the league and with the teams and certainly the one that I cover closest, the Wolves. But so when when they went to take Anthony Edwards number one, um, I I didn't know a ton about him as a person, his background, his game really at all, and. And I think like one of the things that really muddied the waters for him, unfortunately, was there was an ESPN story that came out right before the draft that I think that they must have just caught Ant on a on a tough day or 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 whatever, and it wasn't a very forthcoming interview 
that he gave. And that led to a lot of assumptions about his desire to play the game, his, you know, his, his work ethic, um, you know, did he really just want to play football? Like all of these kind of nonsense things. Um, and it really just kind of disseminated from probably, you know, one or two conversations, uh, you know, someone had with a, an 18 year old kid. And, um, when, once since I've started to cover him and especially in his early portion of his career, like I could tell how something like that would happen and you'd get a misperception because there are times or there were more often back then than now times when, you know, he is a little quieter. He doesn't, you know, you give a whole ton of uh, forthcoming answers and things. And you got to pry a little bit sometimes. Oh, oh out I of experienced them. that in OKC. I will tell yeah. you that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, and it, it's, he is, uh, you know, a, a really funny charismatic dude um but in an interview setting um there are days where he's really on and he's really you know enlightening and and um and colorful and then there are days where he just doesn't really feel it and so um so when he first came in everyone was worried is this andrew wiggins 2.0 um in terms of just like a, a guy who has all the physical talent and maybe not the desire to be great and um, we've since seen Wiggins sort of uh, you know, repair that in, in Golden State, but certainly that was his reputation here in Minnesota. And and from the moment he landed in Minnesota, you could see like the brightness in his eyes. You could see how hard he works and how much how coachable he is and how much he wants to be great at this. And it's just been a steady climb for him ever since. And this is a team this season that has struggled to find a real leadership kind of voice. Um, you know, Cat has been injured for a lot of it. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is not that guy. Um, you know, Rudy Gobert. Yeah, Rudy Gobert is not that guy. Like they're they're so um, to see the way that Edwards has sort of really risen to the occasion and and is welcoming more of that responsibility on his shoulders. It's been pretty fun to watch. He's been incredible the last 15, 20 games. Um, he really is, you know, finding himself as as this offense and this team really revolves around him. And the th- key thing that Chris Finch told a, a bunch of us a, a month ago or so is that the 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 biggest thing for a leader is people will have to want to follow them, and they want to follow Anthony Edwards. He's just a magnetic dude who is also incredibly talented. And he's starting to really kind of, you know, take on more of the leadership aspect of things along with the scoring defense and other things that he's, that he's provided. And it's been, it's been really enjoyable to watch him kind of rise to that occasion. Yeah. I think to me, from my limited experience around him and from more of a larger experience around the team, um, he just is so honest, like, Mm -hmm. So to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit on my time um, in Oklahoma, we were supposed to talk pregame or excuse me, at shoot around that morning. And then he had a headache and didn't and left. So um, maybe maybe could have gotten pregame. You, you never expect to get a guy pregame. That's just not right. really happening. So postgame, he was like the last dude to leave the shower. I was on the road about to catch an early flight the next day to Vegas. I wasn't like thrilled to be there. I mean, 
not, not, no one, I'm not trying to complain. You, you, you understand what I'm trying to, it wasn't the most ideal circumstance for, sure. for either of us to be having that conversation. And then like, I heard him talking with Jalen Noel coming out of the shower because we're just standing there um, waiting for him to, by we, it's me and Sarah Perez from the uh, Timberwolves PR department. And they're talking about this, I mean, objectively horrendous shot that Ann took with like 50 <laughs> seconds left triple team basically um but really a double team with a one point lead against a rebuilding team where you're in this tough start to the season with high expectations D'Lo's not playing Rudy's not playing Cat's not playing and he's joking with Noel about how the Thunder were saying it was a bad shot <laughs> and when I asked him about it he was like that's what they said like to them it was a bad shot and like the fact that he just owns who he is at all times while it can least when coaches scratching and shaking their heads on the bench sometimes um it is that magnetism like you talked about that i think is the kind of the secret ingredient to what can hold a team together when he does i don't know if he will ever iron out some of those ill-advised isolations and and whatnot but as he continue, i mean what he did at the in the fourth quarter against portland on wednesday yeah. when he goes into attack mode and looks like a running back with no, nothing in his sight line but the rim. I mean, those plays, it's just, it's hard to not want to root for the guy, A, but I, I can't imagine what it's like as a teammate to not want to follow him, to your point. Yeah, and I think, like, he has an, he's remarkably self-aware for being 21 years old, and um, yet he knows there are times where he doesn't have a rebound, and or he, he's three rebounds in a game, and he sit and we ask him about after after the game, he's like, "That's on me. I, I I've got a rebound. I got grabbed ten rebounds in a game. That's what's what I have to do." And you know, there's be times where uh, Chris Finch is maybe a little bit critical of of some of the things that he would do in a, in a losing effort or something like that. And 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 Ant says after the game, Finchie's right. Like I, I I have to be better at that. And so he owns it. Um, to a degree that maybe a, some other players of his, you know, stature, um, in and and certainly in in tiers just above him, where he is on his way to to being, um, not always the same kind of accountability and the same kind of internal reflection, and and Edwards does that, and so it's really hard to point a finger at him when he's pointing a finger at himself, and so I think that that does resonate with his teammates, and then I mean the overwhelming talent is just dripping off of his jersey every single night. And and so the players, no one recognizes that talent more than the players. And so they can see the way that Anthony Edwards can be double teamed and split it and get to the basket like he did against Portland, or that, you know, he will look to find some of his other teammates. He found Rudy for a for a, a, a lob dunk um, at the end of that game that was really big. And and he wants his teammates to do well. Like he's always talking about how important Jalen Noel is or Torian Prince is or or some of the lesser known players on the team. Um, and, and that's genuine. That's not just him giving lip service. And so I think in all of those qualities just make him a very likable individual in, in, in a locker room. And he's able to sort of bridge all sorts of different personality gaps that may 
land in any locker room. There's always you know, different guys in extroverts, introverts, um, you know, self-absorbed guys, selfless guys and things like that. And, and Edwards relates to all of them and they all like him and they all respect his talent. And so it's still a little bit early for him to be like the main captain leader guy, but he is certainly on his way to that. And I think the more that is put on his plate, the more that he welcomes. And so uh, these guys just can't help but like him, can't help but laugh at his jokes, can't help but drop their, drop their jaws at his highlights. And and they want to get in line behind him. And that's a good place for this team to start. That's what they need right now. Yeah, I think the key to, and I really tried to be measured in my story in that like he is – clearly a work in progress in that regard in terms of being like the surefire person you want the ball in his hands when the fate of the game let alone the franchise is on the line right and I think part of it is while that self-awareness is there and it is impressive especially for someone at a young age there's a there's an extra level to self-awareness of when you name what you need to be accountable for and accept it actually following through on it to a certain extent. I think from conversations I've had, that seems to be the the next step and across the board from, you know, claiming he was going to not eat McDonald's anymore. (laughs) And I walk into shoot around. And the first thing I hear is Austin Rivers saying how he keeps telling Ant to stop ordering McDonald's, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, him being, quote-unquote salty about not making All-NBA this year and not exactly – or All-Defense, excuse me, and not exactly bringing that type of um, commitment every single night. There, there is a little bit of a gap that I think is still left to be desired from his biggest supporters even in that franchise that it will just be interesting to see if he's able to close it over the coming years and even the rest of the season because, A, he is still only 21, and B – his biggest supporters will say that what he did in the playoffs and what he showed in the postseason and, and his ability to rise to the occasion when it was necessary is all the encouraging signs to believe he, he will be able to get there at some point. Yeah, and I think like that is it. I mean, he's he's 21 and still learning and still has this youthful exuberance about him, but it's also a naivete a bit. Um, he's still figuring out what it takes to do more than just be physically overwhelming and he's been that his whole life and now that gets you only so far in the league and he's got to have these realizations come to him um usually in adverse situations to get him to understand how much further he has to go i mean there there was a lot of talk and he had a lot of issues both earlier in his career and earlier this season about playing the second night of back-to-backs. He just really struggled in those situations. Um, and we kept asking him about it and kept asking him about it. And he finally admitted that, yes, it's a, it's well-known around the league that if you are playing the Timberwolves on the second night of a back-to-back, Anthony Edwards isn't going to show up. This is him saying this. And he kind of has eventually, after another stinker of a game, uh, took it to heart and started to change some of the routines and get better rest and, and be a little bit more disciplined uh, um, to get ready for that. And he's played better in those, in those situations the last few times that they have presented themselves. And that's the kind of stuff that 
he has to learn. He probably has to fail a little bit. I mean, he still does make some poor shot selection decisions down the stretch. He still will have a turnover here or there that he shouldn't have. He still will lose his man off the ball uh, for a backdoor cut or not box him out for a rebound in big situations. And so he is far from a finished product. And there are times where he does make big mistakes still. And I think that the Wolves believe, and I think his teammates believe that his heart is in the right place. It's just that his mind has to kind of catch up to that and, and understand the preparation and understand um, all of the things that have to happen to become, go from being a very, very good player to a great and elite player. And um, you know, he's, he's done so many great things already in just such a, a short time from scoring and defense. And like you said, in the playoffs, he was incredible. And so, you know, it's there. And now it's just a matter of refining his routines so that he can tap into that more consistently. And we've seen that really over the last 10 to 15 games, he's really starting to show a level of consistency um, that they have been pushing for him. And we'll see if he can sustain that. So let's let's shift to his backcourt mate, D'Angelo Russell, because we've gotten two comments. Um, yes, only two as I refresh the comments, um, both about Russell. Um, from non-biased NBA fan asking if there's any truth to Russell being unhappy slash requesting a trade. Um, and King78 jokingly saying, not jokingly saying, but te- teasingly saying, T-Bulls fans should hope that rumor is true. Uh, <laughs> I have not been told that he has asked out. I, I don't, I don't, I, I didn't see that anywhere. And I, I don't believe he's unhappy in Minnesota either. Um, but his name is definitely a name in trade chatter as we approach February 9th. And it's been involved in trade talks since this summer back around the draft and back um, when before Minnesota acquired Rudy Gobert, DeJounte Murray was definitely a player on their list of potential targets as well. So um, I'm just going to step aside and ask you, John, what, what, what's kind of your sense or breakdown on, on the D'Angelo Russell as a Minnesota Timberwolves and, and particularly as the, the team starting point guard and the long-term future of that? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I have not heard anything about D'Angelo Russell requesting a trade. Um, you know, that that would come as news to me, I will say. Um, so I don't think that those rumors are true. Um, if you look at uh, the, I, I do think that there is certainly a very real questions about his future in Minnesota, both for the short term and, and definitely for the long term. He is in the final year of his contract. I, they had the both sides, the Timberwolves and D'Angelo Russell's representatives have sort of had off and on discussions about contract extensions from, you know, starting in the summer, you know, up through uh, the fall. Um, and they never could kind of align on on anything that both sides were comfortable with. And so it looks very much like he is going to go into next summer um, as a free agent. And so that would mean the Timberwolves have a decision to make whether they want to try and move him before the trade deadline to get some assets back um, for him or uh, risk losing him and his salary slot um, in in free agency. Because if he leaves, they don't have another $30 million to spend in free agency. They're already over the salary cap. So um, 
So they have to, they would, they would just be, it would be harder to replace him, let's say in free agency versus via trade. Um, Now, as far as just what he's doing on the court since December, I mean, he's been really good from a, from an offensive standpoint, 21 points, uh, six assists. He's shooting 39% from three, uh, 50% from the field. He had a, a, a bad game against Portland on Wednesday, but part of that may have been because he got in a car accident before he went to the game. He's not injured, but just that's kind of enough to rattle you a little bit and throw you off yeah. your game. But um, yeah, and so um, so you know, what is his long term future? I don't know. And could that be weighing on him? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think that he yeah he absolutely wanted, and he told me this at summer league. He wanted to have an extension done here in Minnesota. He wanted to stay. I don't think that the chemistry with Rudy Gobert has been good to start in terms of just pick and roll chemistry. Um, they don't seem to be on the same page yet. And, and, and that has been a very much a work in progress. And one of the reasons that their offense has not really taken off the way that they expected it to. Um, so he's certainly a name I'm watching going into the trade deadline to see if there's a possibility of him moving in terms of though, like uh, unhappiness or things like that. Um, if there's anything unhappy, I just think it's maybe frustration that this team is not playing as well as as they thought it was going to, and that part of that reason is that Russell and Gobert have not had that pick and roll game go down, and I think that that all of that has been a little bit stifling for a lot of players, not just Russell, not just Gobert on this team as they as they've tried to figure things out with this really unique roster construction that they have. Yeah, it is certainly unique, and. It's going to be a talking point around the league for A, as long as uh, both Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert are on the Minnesota Timberwolves, and B, as long as they're not reaching the potential that this front office uh, expected them to achieve when they put them together, right? Yeah. Um, so along those lines, you would think, and conventional wisdom would suggest, that after mortgaging such a surplus of draft capital to make that pairing happen and then Cat being injured, they're not just going to – I mean, look, if a team called right now and made a tremendous offer for Rudy Gobert that made Minnesota think about it, they'd have to consider it. But that being said, conventionalism would suggest that not really having a lot of time to have this group fully gel before Cat's injury um, – with his contract already secured moving forward with Rudy on the books for four more years with Ant basically guaranteed to sign a massive extension when he becomes eligible. There's not a lot of wiggle room here to make this team better right now. What right down the board outside of the D'Angelo situation, what are you, I'll start more broadly. What are you looking at potentially for, moves on the margins here, if you will, to try to raise the ceiling of this team just just a little bit here and there. Yeah, just, I mean, kind of building off what you said, Timberwolves fans don't want to hear this right now. They get really upset when I mention this. Um, but the the Wolves are going to be patient with this roster. And, you know, everyone wants it to click right away and, and, and to get moving. They wanted them, to, and I frankly expected them to be in the 50-win category and, and really taking off. That hasn't happened, but they're not going to panic and – and punt on this. It's just not happening. They have Rudy and, and Kat did not look great together um, before Kat got injured, but they only had 19 games together. Like that's not enough 
of a t- sample size to really make any kind of a determination for better or worse. Now they are definitely feeling an urgency. Like they need, they know they need to get going and start to, to find some things. So are there some other deals out there? Well, I mean, you look at some of their other uh, contracts and stuff. Nas Reed is playing incredibly well. Um, and he is going to be a free agent at the end of this year as well. And they have a glut of big men on their roster with Cat, with Rudy, with Nas Reed, with Luca Garza and Nate Knight, who have played well in, in, in their uh, limited minutes. And so you would not want to trade Nas, I don't think, um, ideally. But if you're looking for ways to improve the team, you generally have to give something to get something. So you know, I don't know if, if Nas Reed would be someone that they would look at. He's really well-valued here. They love him a lot. Um, but that is the one um, area of strength and of depth on this team that could, you know, you, you look at maybe you could get you could get a team to really bite on something because Nas is young and super talented and he's going to be up for a contract. But um, if you have other ways to kind of fill the void of him and you're getting cat back, maybe that's something that you could do. I, what do they need? They need shooting. Yep. Uh, they they need they need another point guard, uh, maybe more of a quarterback style yeah. point guard, and yep and 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 more perimeter defense. Like that's that's those are the three big needs that they have um, to and and that they that would help them if they could acquire something in those areas to maybe sort of shore things up around Rudy Gobert to help this team. Uh, space the floor a little bit better and to just run better offense. Uh, they really miss Jordan McLaughlin. He's been out for a long time and he's a more prototypical point guard. Um, but that's, that's all they have. So it's going to be, um, it's going to be interesting what they have, but they certainly have those needs and, um, and they have, you know, j- very few options in terms of what they can give up to, to address those needs. Yeah. I think Torian Prince being an expiring deal, mm-hmm. If you can, if you, I'm not reporting anything, but if you can aggregate uh, Torian Prince and Nas Reed into a, a good, solid $10 million player, um, that raises your ceiling a little bit more than the sum of those two parts. That's probably their best real ammo they have going into the deadline. There really isn't much else. And that's not even saying that that's something that I, I'm confident they would look to do, but we're, we're just looking at the board, right? And there, there really isn't that many other options. That's just kind of the, I mean, they've got a trade exception um, from Jared Vanderbilt's salary, according to the NBA trade machine on ESPN.com. But I mean, that's not going to be a salary slot of someone that's really going to be moving the needle too, too much for you. Although they have gotten some significant contributions for minimum guys like Austin Rivers and at times Brent Forbes this season. I mean, Austin mm-hmm. Rivers has been, he's been great kind of revelation. And mm-hmm. see, especially seeing him next to Ant, seeing him in, in Ant's ear, that, that seems to be a pretty key aspect of that locker room dynamic too. For sure, Jake. They, they I mean, they moved Pat Bev uh, in, in the Rudy D- deal. Um, and Beverly was kind of the emotional leader of that group for most of last season. Um, and, and Austin rivers, now that he is playing better has been able to fill in to that void a little bit. Uh, you know, he's not, uh, he's not the, 
whirlwind that Pat Bev is. He's not the 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 yeller and screamer that Pat Bev is, but he's certainly an experienced, really smart veteran who knows what needs to happen to win games. And and so he couldn't do much leading or talking early on in the season when he was not in the rotation when he was shooting terribly. Now he's playing better defense. Now he is knocking down shots. He is playing really good minutes for this team. Um, and so that's been a big help. And I, and I think, you know, getting Torrey and Prince back from injury after 20 games off and they played, he played really well against Portland. He is another leader. They love him in that locker room um, for, for his on-court abilities, but also for his leadership. And so you're, you're right in terms of like um, they wouldn't prefer to trade TP or Nas. Like they love, they love both of them. They think really highly of both of them, but if if we are just looking at ways for them to get better, like you're not going to get anything for Bryn Forbes. You're not going to get anything. In, you're not going to flip Rudy right now because uh, his value is diminished. And for what you gave up for him, that's not happening. So um, they have no real draft picks to 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 trade uh, as as well. So you have to look at other things. And those are at least areas to look at. Again, let you, knowing full well that the Wolves really value those guys. And I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if all of them are on the roster once the dust settles after the trade deadline because they think so highly of them. And maybe they couldn't get the upgrade that they absolutely had to have to part with anyone like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um... Betsy, a regular listener, asks, and she's not being sarcastic, is Pat Bev available? And he is. I mean, he's definitely. I mean, the the Lakers have a similar situation compared to Minnesota in that they've got a couple of very high salary veteran players on their team and not much else left in terms of assets to move. And Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn are pretty much the two players that they're willing to move that have some type of value. Um, But. It's not he's, he's not a player. I, I foresee Minnesota going out and acquiring on the trade market. I reported it a couple of weeks back. If you were to somehow get moved somewhere and then get bought out, that that would be something I would be almost like holding my breath to see happen. Honestly, because um, I've I've heard it from various people that he definitely would like to go back to Minnesota, and I think there would be interest on on that side too. Um, but in terms of him being acquired via trade, especially at his salary number. And also, I don't even know the legality of that um, off the top of my head, CBA-wise being that um, he was dealt from Minnesota. But he, he'd already been dealt again from the team that traded him. So maybe that I, – I, I, again, I apologize for not knowing that off the top of my head. But I, regardless, it doesn't seem likely that he would be the, the trade target. That, that would lift this team's ceiling. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right, Jake. It's irrelevant whether he's it, that's legal to do or not. And I think it is, like you said, because he's been traded already again, that, that the Wolves could theoretically trade for him. But given the salary, given the production that we've seen from the Lakers, from when he's on the Lakers, like you wouldn't, a smart team isn't going to do that. You're going to wait for him to either get moved or get bought out or, or get moved and bought out before you could get him back on some sort of a minimum deal. And I know that you did write earlier in the season that he was open to coming back. I absolutely 100% can confirm that and and believe that you're reporting on that. I think you're right on there. And it's not even like, do I have to talk to people about it? Yeah, I've talked to people about it, but just look at Patrick Beverly's Twitter uh, feed. Like every, 
time there's some sort of Timberwolves thing on there, he's commenting on it. He's commenting on A-Rod posting about shoveling snow. He's commenting on Carl Anthony Towns saying Happy New Year. He's, he's doing that. Like, he clearly is keeping those doors open as wide as possible. He knows how valued he was here and maybe, you know, maybe he's not as valued with the Lakers on a different, you know, team and chemistry and makeup. But um, he also knows like, I can guarantee you that there's not one single day that goes by where Patrick Beverly can't look into his mentions and get a Timberwolves fan saying, we love you, Pat Bev, we miss you. And, and I think that he likes that. I think he likes to be it. Yes. And so, um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, a lot of things would have to happen, including the Wolves clearing some, some roster space because their roster is full right now and how you manage that, you know, we'll see. But, um, but I, I would not rule that out is what I would say. Like, I don't, I don't know how likely it is, but I wouldn't rule it out at this point. Agreed. All right, John, anything else we should touch on? Anything else you want to say? Anything you want to ask me? The floor, the floor is yours. Yeah, one of you. Uh, it's. It, I, I'm just interested that uh, you know you go to Oklahoma City to get some Minnesota <laughs> stuff. You don't come here, you know, when when you're a little scared of some snow out here or what, Jake? Come on. I'm man. avoiding. I was avoiding you actually. No, <laughs> there was a there was a, a a dearth of games in New York that week, and the Thunder had a really interesting homestand of Miami, Minnesota, Memphis. Um, so I flew to OKC and. Uh, then I watched two very good games, and then the third game, Ja got tossed out for talking oh, to man. the ref, thought, thinking that it was him. So that was a bummer. But the other two games did not disappoint, and uh, I will definitely be looking. I'm always interested in heading up to Minnesota. Love the hospitality from media friends such as yourself, and uh, it's an interesting team that will surely have more to talk about. So I'm not ruling out a trip sometime <laughs> later down the year. Sounds good. The, the only thing I'll mention once more before I go, I guess, is like, uh, you know, the, the Wolves really have been kind of hammered for the Rudy Gobert trade, and there's plenty of ammunition for that so far. But one thing they did work hard on that deal not to include was Jaden McDaniels. Uh, yeah. Jazz really wanted him. Uh, right. The Wolves really put their dug their heels in on that front and wouldn't give him up. And I think they feel really good about that decision right now. Jaden has really played well. There's, again, another third-year guy who does have some inconsistencies, and there are nights where everything isn't clicking. But um, one of the better perimeter defenders in the league uh, matches up against Luka as well as any uh, player that I've seen guard him. Um, and now is starting to show a little bit more of the offensive bag that he has as well. So that's been a, a nice bright spot for this team in an underwhelming season is seeing Jaden McDaniels playing the way that he is on mostly a nightly basis. And he's a, a key element, I think, in helping solve Minnesota's rebounding woes as well. Um, yes. He just – he's sorry, I had another phone call. Um, he's just got a lot – he's got – a lot of different ways he can help raise this team ceiling that are super important. So yeah, man. Well, thank you again. Anything you want to plug before you get out of here? Um, no, not really. Um, just, uh, yeah. Subscribe, subscribe to the athletic, uh, had some good stuff up this last two weeks or so and working on a few longer term projects that will be revealed as, as we go along that I'm pretty excited about, but, uh, always fun times catching up with you, Jake. Thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate it, man. You too, buddy. All right. Anyone listening, um, we're coming back in a half hour with Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com to talk some calves. 
So stick around if you want to do that, but don't stick around. Click the next link when it goes up. Um, follow John, subscribe to the athletic. And if you don't stick around, have a good weekend and take care. Thanks guys.